several years ago, in a um, in the uh, the publication of the Gospel Guide, a preacher uh, told the story of, about an event that uh, that happened at the congregation where he was where he was preaching. It's a very terrible, saddening event that had happened. There were two young boys who, over the summer, had decided to go and visit their their grandparents. And these boys, I believe, are the ages of 11 and 12, or 12 and 13, somewhere in that in that range. And while one day while they were there, they decided to take their grandfather's paddle boat and go down to the river and go fishing. Now, this is something they've done several times with their grandfather, but on this particular occasion, their grandfather wasn't with them. And the boys got the paddle boat out. They 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 went out on the river just like they had always done, and they began fishing just just as they normally would. But here's where their inexperience, unfortunately, caught up with them. As they began to be so intent on, on catching fish, they didn't realize that they were no longer in front of sort of their grandparents' property. They began to drift down the river. And unfortunately, they were drifting closer and closer to, to a dam area where the water was, was going over the dam. By the time they had realized their, their situation and where they were, the, the currents uh, from the dam were too strong for the boys to be able to paddle back up. Um, and unfortunately, the, the boat went over. Uh, the boys, with, with the, the suction that, that, that was taking place and some of the rocks and the crevices and things, um, the boys never surfaced again. Um, after a couple of days of searching, they, were able to, they, they found one of the boys' uh, bodies, and after a couple of more days, they found the other one. What had happened to these two young boys was they didn't realize the fact that they were drifting towards danger. And the point, and the, the point of the, of the article that the, the, the man wrote, and the point of the sermon that we're going to that we're going to discuss this morning, is that even though we, we we take this physical example of these two boys drifting and the, the tragedy that took place, the Bible also teaches us a lesson about drifting. And if you have your Bible and you turn to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2 and in the first verse, there the Hebrew writer warns us about the dangers of drifting. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, the Hebrew writer says, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon to see Christians also drifting towards destruction. Just as with these young boys that we read about, it, it became it, it, they were drifting along and they were going towards destruction not realizing where they were going. Oftentimes the same thing can happen with, with those of us who are Christians. We get comfortable and before we realize it, we're drifting along and we're no longer trying to go the way we should, but we're allowing ourselves to be taken, and at times being taken into the world and towards destruction. 
And so what I hope that, that, that we can do this morning is we can use this lesson as an encouragement to us, as almost a wake-up call to us to ask ourselves, am I drifting? Am I drifting along and am I drifting perhaps more and more closely to the destruction that I so badly want to avoid? And so hopefully this morning we can think about these things together and perhaps it can be an encouragement to us and a wake-up to us and maybe we can leave here this morning a little bit more dedicated to doing the work of the Lord and to serving Him. Before we continue on, let's go to God in prayer for a moment. Our God and Father in Heaven, we are so grateful to You for the blessing that we have in Your Son. We are so thankful to You, Father, for the gift that You gave us in allowing Your Son to come and to die on the cross for our sins that we might have that hope of one day being with You in Heaven. And Father, we pray that as as we live our life from day to day that we are always striving to serve You and we're always striving to do what is right that we're striving to be the kind of example that you would have us to be to others. And that, Father, that we would always realize that as we live in this world, as we are faced with the temptations that Satan puts before us, that we are constantly, Father, having to renew our mind and renew our heart. That we, we can't allow ourselves, Father, to become complacent and comfortable with where we are, but that we should always strive to be, that we should always strive to be more in your kingdom. That there are, there are always more things to learn. There are always more goals to attain. And Father, we thank you that you are there to strengthen us and that you are there to give us comfort and that you are there to give us guidance through your word. Father, help us every day as we, as we live in this world to be a shining light. Help us to be the example for good that others need around about us. And Father, help us to bring someone else to you and to your gospel. Father, thank you so much for your blessings upon us. Thank you for the gift of your Son and the forgiveness that we that we can attain. We pray these things in His name, Amen. Before we continue on, let's 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 stop and think for a moment. Let's just sort of make some observations about drifting and what it can do to us, not only in a physical sense, but more more importantly in a spiritual sense. The first thing we have to realize is that drifting requires no effort whatsoever. If you're out on a ship or if you're on a, or, or if you're on a boat, as perhaps these two young men were, all you have to do to drift is you have to stop rowing. You have to stop tacking against the wind. You have to pull up your anchor, and you just have to put your feet up, and you can go along, and you have to do nothing, and you're still going to get somewhere. may not be where you're wanting to go. But drifting requires no effort at all. And the same thing is true for the Christian. That's why I believe that the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 2 and verse 1, we must give the more earnest heed. We must make sure that we are constantly thinking about it and constantly aware of it, lest we drift away. Because staying close to God requires effort. Drifting away from Him requires nothing of us. We sit back, we put our feet up, and it's going to happen. When we are no longer longer pushing ourselves to become closer to God, we are allowing ourselves to be drawn away from Him. And drifting can be an, an unconscious effort. It's not, we don't have to think about drifting. It just, it just happens. Because undercurrents in, in ships are oftentimes what, what's leading it along. The gravitational pull and that kind of stuff will, will cause the plane to move without you even realizing it. it. It can be an unconscious thing that takes place. And many individual Christians at times have drifted away from God, not because they consciously decided that they were going to leave God, but because they unconsciously began drifting away from Him. 
they allowed other things to take the place of God, and they slowly began to drift. The same thing can be said for, for many congregations of God's people. That they quit striving to focus on the things that were right and the things that were true and the things that were taught from the Word of God. And they allowed themselves to become distracted by other things and slowly they began to drift away from God and away from His Word only one day to wake up and find that they had completely separated themselves from the Scripture. You see, it requires no effort. It's an unconscious process. And the thing about it is, you never drift upstream. You're always going to be pulled downstream. Faithfulness to the Lord is like swimming upstream because what's everybody else doing? Which way is everybody else going? They're going the easy way. They're going the way of the world. They're going the way that everybody else is going. Being a faithful child of God is like swimming upstream. It's not easy. It's not the way that everybody else is going. But we're not going to get there by drifting. If we're going to go upstream, we've got to have some effort. We've got to have some push. We've got to have some desire. But if we're going to drift, we're not going that way. We're going to go the way that everybody else is going. That gets back to that whole thing that it requires no effort on our part. We must constantly be adding to our faith. Adding to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and temperance and, and godliness and brotherly kindness and love that Peter writes about in 2 Peter 1. He encourages us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Why? Why is, he, why is He encouraging us to grow? Why is He encouraging us to add those things? Why does He say that we should diligently seek after those things? Because He realizes those things aren't just going to happen. They're going to require some effort and some dedication by us. It's that whole idea that we're not going to suddenly wake up one day and be a mature, knowledgeable Christian. We have to put, the, put forth the effort. That's what we're talking about. We're not going to drift our way into that. You don't ever drift upstream. You drift down. And as, as you begin to drift downstream, what happens? As you get closer to where the, perhaps where the waterfall is, what happens to the speed of the, of the drift? It begins to increase. And just as it is, as we begin to, as we drift Closer and closer into the world, the pull and the speed becomes that much quicker. Because the, the further we drift away from God, the less that we care that we're drifting away from God. The, the, the further we get in, engulfed in the world and in the things that the world has to offer and in the sins that the world participates in, the deeper we become engulfed in that, the less that we care that we've drifted away from our, from our Lord and Savior. And so as we, as we put our feet up and as we begin to drift, when we begin to drift downstream, it becomes faster and that pull becomes greater. And if we allow ourselves to go too far, perhaps we won't be able to row ourselves back out of it. We'll be so caught in it, we'll be so entrenched in it, that we find that, we, that, that it's too late. And in doing that, not only are we a danger to ourselves, but we are a danger to others. Because think about it. If there's a ship that is out on the sea, that is out in the ocean, and it's simply just drifting around, it has no navigational bearings, it's just simply out there, what has that now become to everybody else that is around? To every other ship that's in, the, that's in the, the general vicinity, what's it become? It's become an obstacle. 
It's become something that perhaps they're going to run into because they have no idea where that ship is going. Well, what kind of danger can we become to those around us if we are simply drifting into the world and we are allowing the, the influence of the world to impact us? What kind of danger might we become to others who are around us? While they may be, stri be striving to go on the straight and narrow and keep their course straight, we may be the one that is influencing them for evil. And so we become not only a danger to ourselves, but we become a danger to others. And the end of, of it all is the shipwreck. A ship that is simply, that is, that is simply adrift out on the sea that is, uh, that is just going about will crash onto the rocks or they will go over, they'll perhaps go over the falls as, as it unfortunately happened to those two young men. For those of us who are adrift spiritually through their own neglect, there shall be no escape. We read about that in Hebrews 2. For he said, For if the word proved unalterable, and every transgression received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This danger of drifting is real. You know, it, it's not—it's not just a good—you know—it's not just a good analogy for us to talk about in a sermon. It's real. Otherwise, why would the Hebrew writer have warned us about it? Why would he have encouraged us to take the more earnest heed lest we drift away? And that's where this lesson gets a little bit personal for all of us. Because if we've been, if we've been sitting back with our feet up and we've just been sort of drifting along, we've got to come to the realization if we allow ourselves to keep drifting, we're not drifting our way into heaven. We're drifting our, ourselves away from God. So I ask the question again this morning, are we drifting? Would we know it? Would we recognize it if we were drifting away from God? Well, let me, let me submit to you a few signs, maybe for us to look at in ourselves, a few things for us to examine and ask ourselves, and perhaps these are, maybe these are signs of us drifting away from God. Is there within us a diminishing desire to study the Word of God and to pray? Any marriage counselor will tell you that the key to a good marriage is communication between the husband and the wife. And how many times have we heard of relationships deteriorating and the reason and, and one of the things they talk about is the fact that, well, you know, we simply drifted apart. How does that happen? The husband and the wife they, they failed to communicate. They stopped talking to one another. Well, what about our relationship with God? Have we begin? Have, have we fallen into this 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 trap of failing to communicate with God by no longer reading His Word and no longer talking to God through prayer? Do you realize what we have in the Bible? We have within it the mind of God. We have a source of information that cannot be found anywhere else. Without that revelation that God has given us, we have no idea of how to get to heaven. We have no idea of what pleases God. We have no idea of the sins that we should avoid. We don't have any of these things revealed to us if it were not for the Word of God. And so when we decide that we no longer need to read the Word of God and we no longer have a desire to 
hear from our Savior, to hear from our Lord, is that, is, is that the characteristic of someone who is striving to stay close to their God, or is that the, the characteristic of perhaps someone who is drifting away? When we no longer have that desire to spend time in prayer, talking to our Father, telling Him about the things that are concerning us, talking to Him about how wonderful it is to be one of His children, expressing our concern and our cares and our thanksgiving. You know, Jesus, who loved His Father, spent hours upon hours in prayer to Him. You know, in in, um, Mark 1, verse 35, it talks about Jesus rising up early in the morning and going going off to a quiet place to pray. And it talks about him spending all night in prayer before choosing his, his apostles. And it's been, and so oftentimes we see him going off to a mountaintop to pray. Why? Because that was part of his relationship to his Father. That was part of what kept him close with his Father, was that avenue of prayer that he utilized. Perhaps it should be a warning sign to us. If we no longer have a desire to study, if we no longer have a desire to read the Word of God or to spend time in prayer to Him, perhaps that's a warning sign to us that we are drifting away from. A husband and a wife who no longer talk, who no longer communicate, drift apart. Could not the same thing happen with us and God? Or perhaps there's a diminishing desire for us to be together with God's people. Instead of, instead of wanting to be, be together with God's people at every opportunity, every time the doors are open, we, we take advantage of the time to be here and to worship God. Perhaps we've allowed ourselves to fill that time with other things. You know, one should always have, have the attitude that if the doors are open, if there's a chance to, 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 to worship God, that I want to be here. In Psalm 122 and verse 1, the psalmist writes that he was glad when they said to him, let us go up to the house of the Lord. That should be our attitude, should it not? That that if we have an opportunity to go and to worship God, then we should be jumping all over it and we should be ecstatic and happy about the time we have to go and worship. But what if our attitude has has become such of, well, I have to go to worship. Is that, is, is that the attitude of one who is trying to draw closer? Perhaps that's the attitude of one who is allowing himself to be pulled away from God by other things. Or what if there's a diminishing desire to get together with God's people outside of, of our assemblies and, and to study the Bible together? Attending a class in someone's home or, or attending a, a, a special series of, uh, of classes that are being held. What does it say when, when we allow the things of the world to, to begin to take the place of worshiping God? Perhaps that's a warning sign to us that we're, we're not drawing, we're not seeking to draw close to God. Rather, we're allowing the world and the things of it to draw us away from it. How about a diminishing desire to share the gospel? You have, been, you have been saved by the blood of Christ. You have had your sins washed away. You have been added to the body of Christ. 
Why would you not want to tell somebody about that? Why wouldn't I want to go and tell my neighbor about that and tell my coworker about that? Maybe at one time I did and I was fired up about it and I wanted to go and tell them and I couldn't help but talk to everybody about it. But now it's not as important to me. I've got, I've got, you know, work things that I've got to do and I've got, I've got other things that are taking, that are taking up my time and I just don't really have the time to go out and talk to people about the gospel. What about the, what about the, um, sorry. I had it, I lost it. What about the, the idea of the fact that we are more excited and we're more um, thrilled about, about things of the world than we are about pursuing righteousness? You know, when, when it comes down to it, we would rather, we'd rather little Johnny make it all the way to the major leagues then take time to instill in him a love for God and maybe a desire to be a deacon or an elder or a preacher of the gospel. Or we become too, uh, too enthralled with, with our daughter getting a scholarship, a, a full academic scholarship to go to some college rather than instilling in her the idea of a, a love for God and being a godly woman and a godly wife and a godly mother. Is there anything wrong with wanting to pursue some of those things? No, but not to the point of those taking the place of pursuing the righteousness that God wants us to pursue and wants us to apply in our lives. Now, there are warning signs all around us. But what we so oftentimes want to do is we want to ignore those things because, because we enjoy them. We want to pursue the things of, of the world and perhaps the earthly pleasures that, that there are. When really what we should be doing is realizing I'm focusing too much on these things when really my focus should be back on pursuing the righteousness that God has told me to pursue. Applying the things to my life that God has instructed me to do. You see, drifting is easy. It requires, it requires no effort on our part. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to put our feet up. He wants us to be comfortable with where we are. Because if we do that, he's pulling us closer and closer to him rather than us pulling closer and closer to God. And so what do we do? If, we, if, if we're sitting here this morning and we've thought about this and we realize, you know what? Maybe I am drifting a little too much. What do we do? Well, there, there, there are some things. There are some remedies that I'll, that I'll give to you that I need to apply to my life and, and that perhaps can help you as well. And the first thing is, using our, our shift and our drifting analogy, is we need to start rowing. And spiritually speaking, what this involves is a diligent effort on our part to, to submerge ourselves in the Word of God. To go about applying to our to our life, the faith and the love and the temperance and the godliness and the self-control and the brotherly kindness and the love that Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapter 1. Giving all diligence to add these things to our life. Abounding in the grace and the knowledge of God that Peter also talks about. It's, it's, it's one of those things where what we have to do is we have to make a conscious decision that I am no longer going to drift, but I am going to go upstream and I'm going to go towards 
my God and Father. Because there's never going to be a time when we can relax. There's never going to be a time when we can put our feet up and we can say, I've done enough, I'm close enough, I can mail it in from, from here on out. If anybody could have done that, in my opinion, and this is, this is strictly me speaking, if anybody could have put their feet up and said, you know, I've done it, I've done pretty much everything I need to do, I'm good from here on out, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Because if you think about all the good that he did, all the, um, the, convert, the, the preaching of the gospel and the converting lost souls to Christ, of all that he did, he should be able to, at the end of his life, put up his feet and say, I'm done. But what did he write in Philippians 3? He said, I don't, I don't think you as if I've already attained the goal. Instead, what does he say? I push on, I press on for the call of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, not having attained it already, but I keep pushing. And that's what we have to do. That's the idea that we're talking about. It's not the idea of putting our feet up and relaxing. It's the idea of continuing to push. Continuing to study. Continuing to pray. Continuing to preach. Continuing to pursue righteousness in our lives. And we have to watch out for, for the undercurrent. The undercurrents of temptation that Satan is always going to put in front of us. Because Satan, no matter how hard we are rolling, he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to continuously try to bring us back down. And as soon as we stop rolling and pushing, he's going to begin bringing us back away from God. And so we have to be, be, on, the, be on the lookout for the areas of weakness in our life. We have to be on the lookout for the temptations that Satan is going to put in front of us. And we have to look out and we have to see where the barriers are. And we have to do our best to avoid them. And to keep our eyes focused on the goal of going to heaven. And as I said earlier, when you drift, you don't drift downstream. No, you don't drift upstream, you drift downstream. I told you I might start saying weird things. You don't drift upstream, you drift downstream. So one of the things we have to expect is we have to expect to go against the tide. We have to expect to be the ones who are swimming upstream. And what, and what that might do is it might cause us not to be the most popular people in the world. People may look at us and they, and they, may, not, uh, they may not be able to, to identify with us because we're not doing the things that everybody else is doing. We have to be willing to, to withstand the... Uh, the skepticism that will come from the world. And we have, to, we have to be willing to go against the majority because it's not the majority that are going to make it into heaven. In Matthew 7, uh, I believe it's around verse 13, it's where Jesus talks about the wide and the narrow gate. And He talks about the fact that many will go in by the wide gate, but few will find their way in through the narrow gate. We have to be the ones who are striving to go into that narrow gate. We have to be willing to be the ones who stand up for the things that are right at all times, even if that puts us against everyone else. And perhaps the most important thing, if we find ourselves drifting, perhaps the most important thing that we have to do is we must have an anchor in Christ. We must have that strong anchor that will keep us from drifting away into sin and into the world. There's a song 
I didn't look it up in the book, but there's a song that you're all familiar with, the one that talked about, uh, will your anchor hold in the storms of life? I believe the chorus is, you know, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure as the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. I'll share with you a, I'll share with you a story here as we're drawing things to a, to a conclusion. And I don't know if you're like me, when, when you were... When you're young, there are just certain things that just stick in your mind. There's no really reason why, but you just remember certain things from your childhood. My dad preached at a congregation for, he's still preaching, but at this one particular congregation for about 16 years. And I spent the first, you know, 15 years of my life at this particular congregation. And there was a, there was a, a, a man there who almost, it seemed like every time he got to lead singing, he led that song. Will your anchor hold in the storms? I mean, he always led that song. And at one point, that, that man wanted to be a preacher, and he, he, was, a, he was a great Bible class teacher, and, and he, seemed, he seemed to be on the right path. But today, that man is, is, is no longer faithfully serving the Lord. He, he left his wife. He, he will no longer talk to anybody about, about God or about His salvation or, or about His condition. He has completely shut himself off from any contact with anyone who has anything to do with the church. He, has no, he no longer has a relationship with, with God because he's allowed himself to, to be so entrenched in sin that he no longer even wants to consider. I, I, I can't help but just almost see a little irony in that. And he always would lead that song about having an anchor in Christ, and yet he allowed himself to drift into the world. And the same thing can happen to us. If we're not, if we're not diligently seeking after the things of God, if we're not anchored firmly in Christ, we will, find that, we will find that one day we perhaps also will drift into the world and into, the, into a life of sin where we no longer want to hear about the things of God. We no longer want to talk about our service before Him. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul talks about the fact that our life should be, should be rooted and grounded in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so also walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. You see, that's where our life must be anchored. It must be anchored in Christ. It must not be be able to, as Paul also talked about, being able to toss, be, be able to be tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. We must be rooted and grounded in Christ. If we are rooted and grounded in Him, we're not going to drift away into the world because He is our anchor. He will be our foundation. He is our life. And so I come back to our question. Are we drifting? Are we simply sitting with our feet up, allowing ourselves to go along? Or are we striving diligently to draw closer to God? I know uh, many of you probably know of people who have drifted away from the Lord. 
And it wasn't necessarily something that, that today they were here, tomorrow they were gone. But gradually, they began moving further and further away. Until they were, until they were no longer serving the Lord. Are we headed down that path? If so, maybe what this will do will encourage us to wake up and to realize our situation. Are there signs in our life that perhaps we're, we're drifting more than we thought? Is there no longer that desire to, to, to study and to pray? Is there no longer that desire to share the gospel? Is there no longer that desire to be together with God's people? Are we more entangled in the riches and the pleasures of the world than we are in pursuing the righteousness of God? If we are, we need to start rolling. We need to start striving to go closer to God because otherwise there's destruction that awaits us. And it's much, it's much worse than a waterfall. It's eternal separation from God. Our salvation is simply too great for us to neglect. It's too, simply, it's, it's too important for us simply to drift along and allow ourselves to be taken away from God. Let's strive to, to, to draw closer to God. Let's don't let, let us not allow Satan to pull us into the world and to pull us away from the one who can save us. But rather, let's determine that we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to do what's right. We're going to draw close to Him so that we can be saved.